Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Gerald and I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome you. We're, we're thrilled that you're here. We're continuing this series called Heaven. This is week three and uh, I was thinking that, that about this. Um, Liz and I got married last year and uh, isn't that wild? 2022. So we, we, there were, uh, there's a span of like two months where we went to two incredible places. One of them was our honeymoon. We got on a plane in, in, uh, in Charlotte and landed in Aruba which is like you just get off and it basically is just, you're, you're in this paradise, right? I mean, you just get off the plane and it's this, this stunningly beautiful place that was amazing. And then like two months later, we were on a plane out to Seattle and then to Juneau, Alaska, where we got to spend, because of a family wedding that was planned, we got to spend a bunch of time with our family, but in this incredibly different, equally stunning setting out there uh, in Alaska. And I was thinking about that because there are, each of you could point to some beautiful places that you've been to, like some just incredible places that you could share, that you could share pictures and, and tell us all about it. And uh, the reality is, we've, as we've been talking about heaven, that um, every one of these places for us, like every, every place that we can go to on earth is just this glimpse of what heaven is like. It's just this glimpse. And there's even a danger there. Like we gotta be careful what we set our sights on because we can set our sights too low. Even uh, our sights on these beautiful places that are just these, these, these little glimpses of what heaven is actually going to be like. So we've been talking about this over the series and in Colossians 3 it tells us to set our sights on heaven. We've been encouraged to set our sights up there, not below, like, like you can settle for less than heaven. And when you settle for less than heaven, it brings all kinds of other uh, chaos into our lives. But when we set our sights on heaven, uh, it's, it's the only thing that's really, really worth it. We've been saying this, that we live toward what we look forward to in life. Like the things that we look forward to, you, you live toward, you point your life toward, then that could be like, oh, I, I'm looking forward to being married. I'm looking forward to this new job. I'm looking forward to retirement. And all of those things you can point your heart toward and all of a sudden you're pointing your, your whole life in that direction. And what we've been saying, and I'll just say the end at the beginning, what we've been saying is that it, the only thing that's really worth it in this one life that we have is to point our hearts toward heaven, to point our hearts toward, toward Jesus and what he has offered us. That that's the thing that actually makes life make sense. There are um, some books I want to recommend real quick that, uh, that if you want to read more about heaven, this one is, is amazing. I've been using this one primarily uh, for this series called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Uh, and these are other ones. Yeah, you can take a picture if you want to, just because I would recommend if you want to dig in a little more, um, this one by John Burke, who's a pastor uh, called Imagine Heaven. He talks about near-death experiences, God's promises, and the exhilarating future that awaits you. And then a classic called The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, which is a kind of an allegory that he writes about heaven and hell. And these are amazing books if you want to take, um, take a look. But we've been saying this, that there are realities when it comes to heaven. And the realities are this. There's these three realities. And one of them is that heaven is now, but it's in another place. Uh, it's now, but it's in another place. And, and, and that's, we've been, we've been saying that the Bible talks about that as, as this age. Like this, this age is, is now in another place. It's, it's here, but it's at another time. And it's here and now, but in another place way. And, and today we're going to be talking about uh, this, this future heaven that the Bible talks about and why it's relevant uh, to us. In fact, today we're going to be talking about the age to come. That's the here at another 
time. And again, I wanna just ask this question as we go through this together. And we're gonna go through a decent chunk of the Bible of scripture together today, but what are you living for? Like, what are you living toward? Um, heaven is the thing that makes earth make sense. Like when you begin to realize and understand what heaven really is, and we've only got these pictures out there, and the, and the culture has given us all these, all these, uh, these things, these stories, but uh, we want to see what the Bible has to say um, about it. And, and uh, first, I want to share this, th these two verses. There was a group of believers who had lost sight of heaven, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to them, and he says, hey, um, you're, you, you've had family members that have died, you have friends that have died, and they've kind of lost sight of what heaven was about. And in 1 Thessalonians, here's what he says about it. He says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. In other words, those who have died. So that you, like, like you've got all these people who have died around you and it's, it's hard and, and all of you, right? All of us have had people maybe who have died who, who, and you struggle with that. You've lost somebody and it's a struggle. This is so amazing. And, and if you follow Jesus this morning, and we don't assume that everybody does and wherever you are, we welcome you. If you follow Jesus this morning, here's your reality. You do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We don't grieve as people who have no hope. We grieve over, over loss. We don't ignore loss. We don't pretend like it never happened. Please don't do that because that'll hurt you. But we also say that we don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And it goes on to say, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. And that's a, that's a way the Bible talks about death. Those who have fallen asleep in him. And it, and, it, and it gives us part of the core beliefs of Christianity right here. There's a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. One of them is this. There's the bodily, res bodily resurrection of Jesus. These are things that Christians believe. And, and you kind of would all be able to say, yeah, I know that that's what Christians believe, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, the, res the resurrection. We talk about that all the time. We sing about that all the time. But the second thing is this. That also means the bodily resurrection of all believers. The bodily resurrection of all believers, that we will experience a bodily resurrection too. And it's kind of this amazing thing. It's very mysterious thing. I don't know we under, really understand this, but, but here's what Paul goes on to say in another place. In 1 Corinthians, he says it like this. He says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. The, the body that's sown, in other words, the body that dies, this body right here is perishable. It is raised imperishable. He says that there'll be a bodily resurrection. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. You know what that means? Like, like this, like I, I, I'm going to get a new body. You're going to get a new body. And that's good news. I mean, the older you get, like, can I get an amen? Right? Like that's good news. That's good news. This is wasting away. This is wasting away, but, but, but what the scriptures say are that we're going to experience a, res a bodily resurrection too. Um, so I want to, with that in mind, draw your attention to this one other passage in the, in the scriptures today that is from the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation uh, is, is a little scary, to be honest with you. Like, uh, uh, you either grew up in a church, if you, if you grew up in church at all, you may not have grown up in church, that's okay. But if you grew up in a church, you probably either grew up in a church that never talked about the book of Revelation, or you grew up in a church that always talked about the book of Revelation. And either way, you probably got scared, okay? It was probably what made you a little nervous. But there's this incredible passage in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 that I think does the best description possible. It gives us the best description possible of this, um, the, the, this heaven that we're talking about, this new heaven, and why it matters to us now, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this with you this morning, and it's this picture that God gave uh, this guy named John. 
And John was, was older, he was a follower of Jesus. All his friends had basically died. He was one of the apostles. And, and so he is given this vision and we don't know exactly how he, he got it, whether he just fell into a trance or just, God just gave it to him or spoke to him or out, out loud. Or we, we don't exactly know, but we know that God decided, I'm gonna share this picture of heaven with you. And, and, and maybe some of it was to share with us, I think, but, but, but maybe some of it was also to share with him because he'd, he'd experienced loss and, and struggle and, and God wanted to give him this picture of what heaven was gonna be like and he was, he'd seen so much pain and, and so, much incredible things, so, so many incredible things as well and so God gives him this, this picture of heaven and it starts like this in, in, in Revelation 21. It says, it says this, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw a new, a new heaven and a, a, a new earth and so you've got Oh, I forgot what I was going to write already. I, I walked like two, two feet away and I forgot. Do y'all do that? Age. What? Age. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of the word age, that's the word I'm going to write, actually. Um, so there's, uh, there's the age, there's, there's, there's this age is, is one, of the, um, one of the eras that he talks about. And then there's the, the age... To come, and um, and so there's this idea that there's there within the like like the age to come, okay, that there's this uh, new heaven and new earth, and what the scriptures would say is that the, they they are combined, like there and and um, this this is this is this is earth, <laughs> yeah, right? We live right there. Um, <laughs> Of course, clearly. Uh, this is earth, but it's like this combination going on where there's a new heaven and a new earth. And so I don't know how to, let me get the red out for that. I don't know how to exactly illustrate that other than to kind of like put these, you know, almost like a star around the earth. Like there's this new heaven and this new earth that are going to kind of merge Together, They're going to merge together. And Revelation 21 kind of introduces that around. And, and what we also start to get here, we've talked about this age and the, and the age to come, but I'm going to throw another one at you here. I'm just throwing a lot at you today, but there's a prior age. There was a prior age. And this is going to talk to us about that in the book of Revelation um, as, as well. And so it goes on in verse 2. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So the city is coming down. He sees this city coming, coming down. He, he describes it as a city. He describes heaven as like this, this city. And it would be great language for the Hebrew audience he was, he was writing for. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God, so God's dwelling place, he's now gonna dwell among the people. And then, it, and then he says he will wipe away, this is incredible. Like if you've gone through pain, if you've gone through struggling, if you've gone through suffering, I hope you can hang on to this, if nothing else today, with, with where you are. This is coming, like this is our future reality. That he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen, right? And he who has seated, who he was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And uh, he said to me, it's done. I'm the alpha 
and the omega, the beginning and the end. This is Jesus talking to John. I'm the alpha and the omega. That, that means the beginning and the end in Greek. To the thirsty I will give water without cost for, from the spring of the water of, of, of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. And we'll, we'll do verse eight and nine too. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife, of the lamb, and then verse 10, we'll do that one too. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Okay, that's a lot, all right? That's a, there's a lot going on there. He talks about a city, there's, there's foundations of the city, there's, there's like uh, walls and gates and streets. It's kind of how he pictures heaven. And, uh, and, and so there's this, this idea that there's this recreation going on. Like, like, like here, there is this recreation in this age to come that this, he is making this whole, whole thing new, that he's making all things new. There's this recreation. And, and then, so there's also this like new earth. Like this is, this is a new earth. And, and sometimes we think, oh, it's just gonna all disappear, right? We're gonna all be somewhere else. And, and uh, what the scriptures say, there's gonna be a new earth and this recreation of the earth. See, like, like in the, the beginning, if you remember the, the story, there was, there was the original creation, right? Adam and Eve and Genesis, there was the re original creation that happened here and God created a garden and they had this perfect relationship together with, with, uh, with, with Adam and Eve and everything was great and he actually blessed it and he called it good, right? He, he blessed it and he called it um, good, but then um, sin and death entered the world. Sin entered the world through choice, through our choice. And it corrupted things. And so in this age, the pursuit of God, like in this age, was and has been redemption. Redemption. Redemption is another way of saying I'm making all things new. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. And that's not only redemption of people, that's redemption of the world. That's redemption of this world. And so in the age to come, he's recreating things. And he's going to join us. And it's just this, I know it's hard to believe, it's sort of this fantastic picture, but it's this incredible picture. And then it goes on and it says, this is, we're skipping ahead a little bit to verse, verse 23 in chapter 21. It said, the city doesn't need the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. I don't know how to picture that, but, but, it, but it says that, that we don't even need any light anymore because Jesus is going to be the, the, the lamp that we all live by. And it's, and it's worth understanding that, that um, Jesus and the word light are, are really connected in the Bible. Uh, in the first chapter of the, the Gospel of John, he talks about how the word became uh, light, like, like the word was with us in the beginning, it gave light to the world, and that word was Jesus himself. And so there's this idea that Jesus brings light with him. In fact, in, um, in creation, you know that like like what the scriptures say is that actually Jesus was there and he gave light, right? He, he, he gave light in that first era, like, like, like around creation, he gave light. And then in this age with redemption, you know what happened? He became light. He gave light 
And he became, Jesus became light. And then when there's this happening, when there's this new heaven and new earth and it ultimately comes together, it's just gonna be this amazing place where he says, now he is the eternal light. And that same light (laughs) who created our world, who became light for us and is the eternal light, wants to live as light in your life. He wants to live as light in your heart. He wants to shine his light in the darkness that is our world. And so just kind of of finishing through the book, uh, this chapter, uh, starting in 22, just a couple verses here. He says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. It's this other picture, okay? So there's this, this water flowing down, the river as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So there's this river, this water coming out of the the throne of God down the middle of this great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And and then um, he says this, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. No longer will there be any curse. Curse. And so there was this, this curse that happened, right? Like, like um, well, this was blessed. He, he said, this is blessed. He called it good, right? Like in, in the Garden of Eden. But when sin came in, there was this curse that happened. And then what he says is, I am coming so that this world and you will no longer be cursed. So I'm going to break that forever. And so, and so here, this idea that he breaks this curse forever. And it's this beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us, that the curse is broken. And then there's this idea, I don't know if you've caught that, but there's this idea of a tree. And and that may make you think of, well, there was a tree in the Garden of Eden too, right? There were actually two trees in the Garden of Eden. It was like, choose one or choose the other. And they chose the other one, and it it led to this awful uh, circumstance that that we are in when sin and pain and death entered the world. But he is saying, at the end of all things, there's gonna be two trees and both of them give life. There are gonna be two trees on the, along the side of the river and they are both life-giving trees. And again, it's just this picture of what this place is going to be like, of what the, this beautiful place is going to be like. There was also a tree here though, right? The scriptures tell us that Jesus hung on a tree for us, for our redemption, for our redemption. Every age has something in it that is significant. Um, and, and there's this idea that uh, the, the world is kind of like struggling. This is where we are right now. The world is kind of calling out for redemption. And, uh, and, and in fact, the scriptures would say that too. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter eight. He said um, that, that uh, we got that, yeah, what is it? Romans eight, am I ahead of us? I might be ahead. Romans eight, I consider that our present sufferings, yeah, hit that one. No, we don't. Oh, I got to see it back there. Oh, that's a revelation. I'm, I'm way off. <laughs> oh, that's actually Romans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, this is actually Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Age, I know. Uh, for the creation waits in eager expectation. So the world is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And then he says this, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage, decay, and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of 
God. And then we know that the whole, this is what we're getting to here, but we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eager, eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. A lot of big words there, but there's this groaning and, and each of us has this experience in our lives, I think, where there's this yearning and, and often uh, you can't put a finger on it and there are times where maybe in your life, maybe this is before you really came to know Christ and maybe you're in a place right now where you're feeling this yearning, this longing for something and you don't really know what it is, and you've tried a lot of things, and you've tried to put your finger on it, and you just can't figure it out. Um, you've been given a heart that longs for God. Like, you've been given a heart that longs for, for, for God, for Jesus, in, in uh, all that he has and all that he has to offer you, and a heart that longs for recreation. And uh, the, the invitation is to simply recognize that. Like, I think Jesus' invitation to us is to recognize that, and to submit to that and to say, that's what I need. That's the thing that I've been missing. I've got this hole in my life, this hole in my heart, and it's only shaped like God. Like I've tried to fill it up with everything else and nothing's gonna satisfy it but you, God. And so, it's an invitation. It's not, you can fill it up yourself, you can't. You can't, but there's this groaning within you that, is, uh, that has been there because you're human, okay? And, and we try to, again, fill it with every other thing, and yet, there's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters. Um, there's this idea, I, I'm, I'm gonna skip the quote. Um, I'm not messing with my slides today, Craig. Uh, that's all right, I'm gonna skip that quote. But what I wanna say is this, like uh, Revelation 22:12. 12. Can we show that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus says this, it's the last, well, no, there's one more passage I'll share, but Jesus says this, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give each person according to what they've done. Now, uh, in the scriptures, it also says that to, to, um, to Christ, a thousand years is like a day and in heaven, like a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So, so maybe there's just been a, in heaven, it feels like a few days have passed since Jesus rose. And, and yet uh, what he's saying is, hey, um, I am coming soon. Like I'm coming soon. And, and so the most important thing that we can do is prepare our hearts and our lives and our minds. And so, um, and what he also says is, hey, uh, how you live here impacts how you experience heaven. How you live here impacts how you experience heaven. And so Jesus, one day, he was teaching this to a bunch of people and Peter got kind of disturbed because it's a, it's a confusing thing to try to understand. Peter got disturbed and so, so Peter goes to him and he, he kind of confronts Jesus, he says, We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Like we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne in heaven, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. He's saying there's a hundred times investment. I don't know if you have investments in your life or what you're investing in. Do you have anything that gives a hundred times over in return? You know what percentage that is? It's a 10,000% return on investment. Somebody check my math on that. It's a 10,000% return on investment when you invest in things, the things of heaven. Like, like do you have anything in your life where you're getting a hundred times the return? Like a, a hundred times the return. Um, 
With that in mind, I think we're gonna take up an offering now. Um, will the ushers please come forward? I'm kidding. Um, but the return on investment is 100%, 100 times over when you invest yourself in heaven, not just things on earth. It doesn't mean that things on, on earth are bad. It doesn't mean that money's bad or that, that the things we, we enjoy here or pleasure or you know, ha have a purpose and have a plan, but they all do in light of heaven, in light of heaven. And when we invest there, we're gonna see this return. How you live on earth impacts how you experience heaven, so it makes sense. And I'll just close with this, right? Like it makes sense to live on earth with heaven in mind. It just makes sense to live on earth with heaven in mind. And so my challenge to you, if you're, if you're not yet following Jesus, if you haven't yet said yes, if you just kinda, kinda come in and come out to church and then just live your life but you haven't surrendered to him, what would it look like for you to say yes to him? Well, one thing that I think it would look like would be that you would, you would surrender and say yes and just say to God, hey, I can't live this life on my own. I don't know how to live this life here on my own. I wanna submit to you and I wanna live in light of heaven. I wanna live in light of all the things that are to come, knowing that this life doesn't end when I die, but it's just like the Bible says, we fall asleep and we open our eyes and we are in eternity. So let's live our life like that. Let's live our life with our focus on heaven, not simply the things that are here. It makes life make sense. Um, I'm gonna pray for us and then we, we've got a, a really special day today where we're um, dedicating some beautiful children and families uh, in, our, in our church. I wanna say this, uh, like next week we're gonna conclude this series on heaven and uh, we're gonna conclude it by kind of tackling some of the big questions about heaven. So we're gonna be talking about things like, um, the huge questions like pets. Uh, do, do pets go to heaven? Uh, <laughs> we'll talk through that. We'll talk about um, heaven and also hell. We'll talk about some other things too. We'll just kind of hit some of the big questions of heaven next week because so many of us have all these questions about what it, um, what it looks like and what it is. And so I'm gonna pray for us and then uh, I'm gonna invite some amazing people on the stage with me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, uh, for your love. Thank you for um, the fact that uh, you um, pr promised this place for us. You um, have provided a place for us and, and you tell us that it's going to just be stunning and these descriptions we can hardly even grasp a hold of, but just knowing that the, the most beautiful things that we've seen in this world uh, can only uh, give us a glimpse, can only give us a glimmer of what heaven is going to be like. And so we're, we're crazy if we don't live for heaven, if we don't point our hearts in that direction. Maybe there's some here today who are ready to say yes to you, and I pray that over these next moments they would be willing to say yes. And God, uh, I just thank you for our families that are here today that are gonna celebrate with us um, some amazing people that are um, bringing their children to uh, put in front of you, to, to uh, dedicate to you. And we're grateful for that, God. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we wanna encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.